in here, Marina? Oh, it's all right. They they know me here. Oh, but it's been a while, though. Ah, what did I tell you, though? Sergeant Major Zero, ever alert and ready for anything. Oh, sorry, sir. Didn't know you were here, sir. Oh, that's all right, Zero. Don't worry about it. Uh, what sort of mood is he in? Well, uh... Flaming thunderbolts. <laughs> okay, right. Tiger, how the devil are you? Hmm? Good, good. Say, would you like to press the big red button on the randomizer this week? All right. Well, you've not done much with the old place since I was here last, have you? I only scored 87. My lowest score ever. Hmm. Right, let's see what we have to watch this week. It's... Oh, I don't believe it. What's happened? It's happened again. Uh, once was fluky enough, but we've once again landed on the next Joe 90 episode to the one we watched last week. There's only one explanation. Yeah, the randomizer's broken again. We're dealing with a Time Lord. What, you mean like... the Master? I am Lord Tempo. Oh, him. Right, I see. Lord Tempo, is this your fault? I apologize. And will make amends. What, you mean, take time back to let me make another selection? Of course. No, see, we can't do that. I have to go with whatever comes out of the machine. No exceptions. So, just do me a favour and make sure this doesn't happen again in future, okay? I will try. Yeah, thanks. Okay, everybody, I hope you're ready for some more Joe 90. We're heading up the jungle to the fortress. Well, what a surprise. We are back with another Joe 90. And once again, somehow, we've landed on an episode that was made immediately after the episode we watched last week. Now, I swear this is not planned. In fact, I am using now a completely different random, you know, I... I in which, which randomizer was it? Whichever randomizer where I visited McLean, uh, Professor McLean's cottage. That was the point where I began using a new random random selection thingy in the randomizer. So this is not the same selector, uh, selector that made the Trial at Sea Child of the Sun God pairing back in uh, uh, pod, uh, pods 3 and 4 or 4 and 5. And yet it's happened again. Somehow. I... Yeah, I am going to be uh, refining this process as we go along. Hopefully... This will not happen again, but it really shouldn't have happened this time. Um, I don't know what's what's going on. Anyway, I've, I've waffled all over this uh, beginning of a, a spy making it into a shed and then being uh, almost machine gunned by a very creepy uh, creepy soldier here. Um, uh, he was uh, best known as uh, Fraser in Creator 101. I do have a, a friend who uh, refers to this puppet as a monkey bastard. Um, I may censor that, I may not. Uh, but I think it's a fa fairly effective uh, uh, name for him. It looks like they've nabbed Roger Fleming. Fleming? Why, he was carrying this. I know only too well what he was carrying. That was something I always enjoyed in this show. It's like, oh no, they've captured so-and-so. Not so-and-so. Why, he was the most important person in... Yeah, I know who he was. It's, it, it's a, a very much a Joe 90... Uh, not, not just Joe 90, a Jerry Anderson trope of... Uh, Characters explaining to each other things that they already know. But in this show, they usually find a way to sort of work around it by like saying, you know, shut up, I know. I know my job, I know who the person that I hire is. You don't have to tell me. Now, much like with uh, uh, Loch Ness Monster, 
I have a feeling that this episode was uh, one of the first Joe 90 to be shown. I have a feeling it was like th third or fourth, maybe? Um, so again, maybe someone must have thought that this was a, a particularly impressive example of, uh, of the show's strengths. Um, I don't honestly remember too much about this one. Uh, I think because, like I say, Joe 90 just blends into one... Um, glorious piece of happiness for me I can't really pick uh, one episode over another unless there's uh, something really special to redeem it and uh, I think this episode is just uh, going to be more of the same really um, which is not to say that it's bad it's just you know reliable solid stuff and tea a good cup of coffee professor oh coffee sorry this set of um, the, the lounge in the cottage, there are some interesting uh, little knickknacks and things all around the place. Um, and it's just slightly oversized. There are some plates on the wall that uh, are in no way to scale with, uh, with the human puppets. There's also a, a photo, an odd photo of a man holding a stick. There's a big fish hanging in a um, in a glass case over the fireplace. Um, a painting of what looks like a flamenco dancer. It, it, it looks like a really nice, you know, homey sort of uh, lived-in cottage, like it should do. But if you look closely at some of the background details, there is there is uh, one or two unusual things going on there. Tell us where it is. Puppets slapping other puppets. Okay, that's uh, not uh, something we've seen before. And in fact, the puppet that was doing the slapping has got a really nasty scar down the side of his face. This episode is uh, probably a really good example of um, Joe 90 continuing the trend that was established in Captain Scarlet of, uh, of a darker streak, of a, a, a more violent nature. And I think Joe 90 runs with it to some... Occasionally, some darker places than even Captain Scarlet did. Um, so this is, episode is probably the the, um, the strongest uh, the strongest example of violence and uh, darkness in this show. Explosives, stun gun, compass, flares, transceiver. All things you shouldn't give to a nine-year-old schoolboy. For you at the final pickup point. Now here's your final briefing. Yeah, do you think Joe uh, ever? Because he's carrying all this stuff around in his school case. You see on the opening, uh, on the closing titles, it's the same case that he takes to school with him. That means he's going into school armed. Um, that's another disturbing thing. But do you think he's ever sort of tempted to uh, to hang on to any of this equipment? And how does he um, manage to not give in to the temptation to to tell his his school chums? You know, oh, I was out blowing up an enemy base the other day. It, it's it's another odd thing. I hope Joe has friends. I don't know how on earth they get him out of school to do like top secret missions all the time, but uh, there we are. This is a lovely uh, boathouse set, not least because uh, the the water in the river that's running alongside it looks so filthy. It looks like proper. You know, it looks like a real muddy old river like it should do. Well, Joe, this is as far as we go. You'll be on your own now. Yeah, we're not uh, qualified or anything to come with you on your top secret raid. We're only government agents. 
We all let a, a nine-year-old boy fight our battles for us. Now this shot of Joe uh, guiding the hovercraft down the river, it's a shot of the puppet uh, in the model, the full-size model. And I don't know how this would have been achieved. Would they have been moving the set past him like... Uh, you know, like they were doing the roll, the rolling road situation of having the model perfectly still and moving the background, because that's a lot of plants and foliage to be sort of pulling out of shot. But the camera remains level with the with the hovercraft. It's interesting. I wish there was more sort of behind the scenes uh, footage from the making of of any of these shows, but also this one. So here it is again. Um, and there's another lovely touch. You can see the water running down the, the windscreen. An interesting thing here that Joe uh, goes to sleep with his glasses on. Oh, there's a big snake coming to get him. Um, because does that mean he's sleeping with... Uh, you know, dreaming someone else's dreams? You could write a whole book on the psychology, or, or at least the uh, psychological impact that all of this would have had on Joe. He must have grown up so messed up it's uh you, you just know that as soon as he sort of outgrew the, the chair for the big rat WIN would have dropped him instantly you'd hope that they would maybe offer him a job but uh somehow I get the feeling he'd be uh, a bit gaga by the time that happened it looks like they had a, a real snake on the set there as well it didn't inter interact with the puppet at all I think it would probably look massive compared to the puppet but it definitely looks like it's on the uh the same set as uh, as Joe's camp here. Um, even in the standard definition, these shots of uh, the model hovercraft going down the river, the model of Joe at the controls looks very unconvincing. Uh, that's one one part of the effects on these shows that I don't think holds up, even in SD and especially not in HD. There's no way to disguise the fact that. Uh, that there's no movement in the hair and that the faces are, are, are often unfinished. Um, but, you know, it was 50 years ago. And nobody expected anybody to be looking at this again. Ever. Much less as often as we all do. I'm trying to think of a, any other Super Marionation episodes that deal with, uh, with a theme of torture like this. I can't think of any. Uh... The closest I can come is the Inquisition, but even then, it's not the sort of full-on, you know, lights and, and physical abuse and mental abuse, and uh, it's it's quite heavy for a kid's show, which I think is probably a lot. one of the reasons why a lot of people uh, aren't sure what to make of this show, because on the one hand, you have this child protagonist, so oh, obviously it's meant for kids, and then you get episodes like this, or scenes like... Uh, like the execution in, uh, scene in uh, Three's a Crowd, and it's just like, no, this doesn't belong in a kid's show. Which I think is a problem that Jerry Anderson often had of this uh, disconnect. It, it, it looks like a kid's show, but the material, the subject matter is uh, often not. Well, Joe has now arrived at the fortress, which is uh, quite a relief, because honestly I was starting to get a bit bored of these endless scenes of him sort of cruising up the river. But now, now, of course, he's at the fortress. I know something good is going to happen. Oh, maybe maybe we're a few moments off that. He's got to scale the wall of the fortress first. That could take a while. Ooh. Okay, he just fired a, what I guess was a gas grenade into the, uh, the control room where the uh, lieutenant was sitting. 
he clutched his eye as he went down. Was that another facial injury this poor guy has received? He's unconscious now, so we can't ask him, but... Uh, Still, never mind, he's the baddie. He doesn't even have a name, so, you know. We can only care so much about him. Oh, well, there's a shot there of the uh, lieutenant unconscious on the desk. He's holding the back of his head, and he's got his right hand positioned under his eye. I know he's just meant to be unconscious, but that looks. That, that is a really bad. badly, um framed shot there. He looks very much like a puppet, which was quite rare for these shows. Try and stand up. I don't believe you. Now, uh, the uh, puppet playing uh, uh, Roger Fleming here is probably best known as being uh, was it Commodore Goddard? Major Gravener um, in, in Captain Scarlet. And he was one of a few puppets from that show which had... Uh, had the capacity to blink. I think we've discussed this before in the launching, where the Mervyn Brand puppet was often used to play Mr. On Agents because he had that blinking mechanism. Same thing here, this puppet is being uh, used to play Fleming because he can sit in a chair and sort of blink and look weary, uh, unlike most of the other characters. And these two guest characters, uh, the captain and the lieutenant, I don't know if they have names or not. They were both new puppets created for Joe 90. I know because I am from World Intelligence. I'll go and put a stop to this, sir. No! Wait. Let's see how silly it gets. They're escaping, sir! Wait! You better tell me where you're Wait, we could make even bigger fools of ourselves. In case one of us doesn't get through. Tell you. It's hidden down river about eight miles past the Loreno Bridge in the old mission ruins. At last. Excellent. So now we have. Now the race is on to find the microfilm. But of course. We're going to send in a guard to deal with the problem. And who is the guard that we are going to send in? Here he comes. It's Captain Magenta! And he's dead. Ah, uh, that was uh, that was quick. One of them must have a guard. That's always an ex that's always a very bad mistake when you have something important to do. For the love of everything, don't send Captain Magenta to do it. You all right? Yes. Get to the hovercraft. It's in that clump of trees. And I remember in uh, when this was uh, shown on the BBC in 1994, they would cut a lot of the violence out of this show because it was being shown on TBBC. One of the things they cut was Joe shooting Magenta. Uh, and I'd like to assume that Joe doesn't kill anybody if he can help it, but, you know, there's always that doubt in the back of your mind. And there's Dr. Fawn as well. Uh, Dr. Breck as well, they're both firing away. Okay, now this... Uh, these shots of the river this is much more exciting now not least because we're, we're actually chasing after the baddies we're actually doing something now but the water's got this lovely fog effect rolling over the top of it it's very nice this is one of my favorite pieces of incidental music as well from this show by the way um yeah always like this bit always used in race against times and countdowns and things like that and they've now managed to overtake the bad guys they're gaining on us. Do you uh, do you not think you could maybe uh, lean over and fire a few shots at them with Joe's gun, maybe? You know, just to scare them off a bit. Come to that, why aren't the baddies firing at Joe? They're like two feet away from him. They could easily, uh, easily at least try. Ooh, there's a big log blocking the river. 
how are we going to get past this? Whoa! Well, somehow Joe just managed to jump the hovercraft over the log. But the baddies? Ooh! Yeah, they are not coming back from that. Not by them. By Joe, yeah. Uh, the baddies, unfortunately, uh, have been blown to pieces. And you can see the little miniature figures uh, in that boat as it blew up. They both sort of fell forward. That's uh, rather ghoulish. I was so full of drugs, I thought it was a young boy. He called himself Joe Nidy. That's a nice, uh, nice ending to the story there. It doesn't involve Joe or any of the regular characters at all. It's just uh, our two guest characters uh, indirectly giving him credit for, uh, for not only saving their lives, but also for, uh, for breaking into and out of the fortress, which no one has ever broken out of before. We, however, have made it through the fortress. And, yeah, as I said at the front, uh, another solid episode of Joe 90. I think it it is a good example of uh, how dark this show could get. Um, maybe some of the scenes of Joe sort of chugging up river in the hovercraft were a bit overlong. That part of it wasn't very, uh, wasn't very engaging. I wish, really, there'd been more uh, of, of a chase at the end uh, down the river. Like I said, they weren't shooting at each other. You could have had, like, several boats coming after him, maybe even a helicopter as well. Um, it just felt like for something so so urgent, there wasn't much of a, a need to get there at the end. However, it's Joe 90. For me, it's always enjoyable. I don't know uh, what the rest of you think. But with four episodes down out of 30, we probably won't land on any Joe 90 for a while. Or will we? Or will we?